The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Thanks so much for coming with us this morning. We're continuing our series called I Am Jesus. Several times throughout the book of John, Jesus gives us these I Am statements to explain to us part of who he is. It's the infinite explaining himself to the finite. And Jesus is giving us these statements so that we can better understand his character and better understand who he is. And this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14. We're going to kind of look at three different I am statements wrapped into one this morning. So if this feels like it could be three sermons, I feel like it could be three sermons. So hopefully we'll be able to get through it all this morning. And you guys know me, I never go too long. So hopefully we will get out of here for our barbecue. Please stand with me as you would. John chapter number 14. On your way in, you should have received a service program. On the inside, there's an outline that you can use to follow along. It'll also have uh, some of the scripture verses and some of the quotes that we'll be mentioning this morning as well. Feel free to look on the screens as well. John chapter number 14, the Bible says, starting in verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. That word troubled means anxious. It's the opposite of being at peace. Oftentimes, when we're looking at our circumstances and we're looking at our situations, it's easy to allow our hearts to become troubled. In fact, as you read the chapter before this in John 13, Jesus gives some pretty heavy news to the disciples. And after that, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas... Saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Lord, we really, Lord, we really don't know where you're going, and, and how can we know the way? Verse number six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This morning we're going to look at a message simply entitled, I am the way, truth, and the life. Have you ever felt in your heart anxious? Maybe there's a certain circumstance going on, and it just kind of leaves you with this unsettled feeling inside your heart. Not really at peace. And maybe it's not your entire life. You wouldn't say, oh, my whole world is falling apart. But there's just this one situation, when you hear about it or when you think about it, it just kind of it leaves your heart at an, un- an uneasy state. You could say, like Jesus said, your heart is a little bit troubled. Perhaps when you look at the global scenario these days, it's easy to allow your heart to become troubled. When you hear about wars and rumors of wars and we see, you know, biggest hurricane ever making its way through Mexico. By the way, I believe that was a huge answer to prayer when that downgraded. That was just amazing. So many people were praying for that and then like out of nowhere it almost disappeared. But we look at these things and we we just, we, we think to ourselves, man, what is going on in our world today? And it's easy to allow our hearts to be at unrest, allow our hearts to become troubled. Maybe you're here today and you got some news from the doctor and you're finding yourself facing a health crisis. And when you think about it, you find your peace just leaving. You find yourself uneasy, at trouble. What's going to happen? All these questions start running through your mind. Maybe you, you, look, at, you look at politics today. You want, you want to get people riled up, talk about politics. Because we're, we're not sure. We're not sure about the future. We, 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 we believe in something and we, we want to see it happen, but our hearts become troubled. Our hearts become uneasy. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're just, you're just struggling financially, and because of that, you just feel like, ah, if I could just get to this next amount of money, if I could just get to this next financial set, then I could be at peace. Then I could feel like I could breathe. 
and your finances are causing trouble in your heart. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. You just, man, if, if you only knew what I was going through. Your heart is troubled. Maybe you're here today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're here because you're searching. You're here because you're looking for answers. You hear people talking about life after death. You hear people talking about Jesus, and when you, when you watch the news, it seems like everybody has their own opinion about how they can get to heaven, and everybody has their own way, and you're searching, and you're not really at peace because you just, you just don't know. You just don't have the answers. The disciples were in a very similar situation. For three and a half years, they traveled with Jesus. They spent lots of time sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. And to be honest with you, the disciples, they kind of had the idea that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and restore the physical kingdom to earth. They were expecting him to set up an earthly kingdom right then and there. And so in chapter 13, Jesus tells them, I'm leaving, I'm going to die. Peter, you're going to deny me. All these bad things are going to happen. And the disciples are just sitting there and they just feel like they got a bomb dropped on them. Like, what in the world, Jesus? And so in that moment, when their circumstances seem to be going crazy, Jesus gives this statement. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious. The circumstances we're all about to go to are going to be crazy. But you can have peace. Whatever situation is causing anxiety in your heart this morning, you can have peace because we have Jesus. Let's jump into this passage this, or this morning and see the hope that Jesus gives. First of all, Jesus says, I am the way, which leads us to our first thought this morning. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. You see, ultimately, peace can only come when we are at peace with God. We can never truly experience peace deep down inside of our hearts until our souls have been made right with God, until we are at peace with God. And the only way someone can become to peace with God is through Jesus Christ. You see, before a person places their faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says you're at enmity with God. That that word enmity, it means hostility. Because of your sin, you are literally at war with God before you place your faith and trust in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, so those of us who are saved, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off. So before we got saved, we were far from God. Our sins separated us from God. We weren't at peace with God. The Bible says, you are made nigh, you are bought close by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, you can have a relationship with God. He goes on to say in Ephesians, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath both broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I love this visual imagery. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity thereby, Jesus literally broke down the barrier between you and God. He literally abolished that hostility between you and your God because of sin. That war that we were at with God, Jesus came and he abolished it. He broke it through. Ephesians goes on to say, even the law and the commandments contained in the ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, get this, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God and in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Jesus abolished that hostility between us and God. He abolished that war that was going on between us and God. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. Before a person places their faith and trust in Christ, there's hostility between them and God they're not going to ever experience true peace because they are literally not at peace with the judge and the creator of the universe. But Jesus Christ came and he says, I am going to bridge that gap for you. I'm going to make peace with God for you. Jesus 
is the only way we can ever experience peace through God. You say, but Nick, what, what, what if I try really hard and I just do a lot of really good works? I, I, I have to say, Jesus is the only way to God. The Bible says in second, or 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. Not our good works, not our religion, not going to church. There is one way that we can get to God and be at peace with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Your good works. You, you can't do enough good works to make your peace with God. You can't, you can't go to church enough to make peace with God. You can't, you can't just come to this church and being baptized. You can't do enough to make peace with God. It's only through Jesus Christ. We cannot get to God on our own. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said, I am the way. I love the quote, the Christian faith is based on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can have a relationship with God, and it's only through Jesus Christ that we can ever really be at peace with God. But for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ, we experience that peace with Jesus the same way. The quote goes on to say, we need to keep, so the Christian faith is based on a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we need to keep a well-beaten path to the cross so we can ex- uh, continually experience his cleansing and his peace. As we keep that well-beaten path to the cross, as we constantly go to Jesus and depend on Jesus, Jesus then gives us that peace. As we abide in Jesus, he gives us that peace. As we spend time with him, as we look to him, he gives us that peace. But so often, we look to our circumstances. And the truth is, when I am not experiencing peace in my own heart, that's an indicator that I'm looking to something other than Jesus. I'm, trying, I'm depending on something else to get me peace other than Jesus. I'm using something else. I'm looking for another way other than Jesus. When I'm not experiencing peace, it's because I'm looking to something other than Jesus for what Jesus has already given me. Only, only Christ can be our mediator between God and man, and only Christ can earn our peace with God. And it's only through Jesus that we can experience that peace on a regular basis. Not our good works, not our circumstances, not coming to church. It's only through Jesus, that we can be at peace with God and then experience that peace on a regular basis. Now you'd be saying, Nick, man, this is 2015, and come on. I mean, you maybe you, you haven't placed your faith in Christ, and you're like, how can Jesus really be the only way? I mean, everybody these days, it seems to be a guru or an expert at something, at some way we can you know, get to heaven or get to God, and you're telling me Jesus Christ is the only way, which leads us to our next thought, the next I am statement that Jesus makes in this passage. He says, I am the way and the truth. The truth is, Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Now, again, you might be thinking, well, what is truth? I mean, we have so much information, and everybody says what they believe is true, and everybody seems to be a guru or an expert that wants me to follow them. Even Pilate, back in Jesus' day, in John uh, 18, 38, says, what is truth? Right? Truth, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of times what we will define as truth depends largely on our own perceptions and our own, the way we think and just how we're wired and how we perceive the circumstances around us. We'll base oftentimes truth on that. So if, if truth is seemingly subjective, how can we know? How can we know? I have a, a picture here. I want to show you something. How many of you remember this dress, right? Yeah. Okay. How many of you saw white and gold? I still see white and gold. How many of you see blue and black? Okay. So truth is, truth is sometimes a lot like color, okay? Color is just how our brains interpret light. If you want to get really scientific about it, color does not exist. Color is just, it doesn't exist in the physical world. Color is just how our brains interpret light. And a lot of times, what we'll do with truth 
is we'll, we'll treat it like color, and it's just truth is however we interpret things. And so if truth seems to be subjective, now I'm not saying truth is subjective, it's not, but if truth seems to be subjective, how can we honestly know what is truth? Well, if I can take a moment, I'd like to just share with you why we can know Jesus is truth. With everybody saying that they're right, and with everybody seeming to have their own idea, how can we really know Jesus is truth? Let's just take a quick moment. I want to share with you a couple things there. Now, a lot of times people, very few people will actually deny the historical existence of Jesus. I mean, if you study history uh, or historians that were at the time of Christ, most historians will, will they'll give a historic account of Jesus. They'll give a historic account of his person. Um, there was a Roman historian, I believe his name is pronounced Tacitus. He talks about Jesus. The Jewish historian, Josephus. All these period historians, they'll talk about Jesus. But a lot of times people will say, okay, I'm not going to deny he existed, but maybe he wasn't really God. So, therefore, I don't know if I can really put my faith and trust in him. But consider this for a moment. For Jesus to claim the things he claimed, for Jesus to say, I am the only way, either he was a liar or a lunatic. But consider with me this. History, not just the Bible, although we believe it because the Bible says it, but history will verify the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. History will verify it. The probability that Jesus could have fulfilled even eight of the prophecies that he did would be a one. The probability is one in ten to the 17th power. I think we have this number up on the screens. One in ten to the 17th power. That's how big that number is. The chance of Jesus just fulfilling eight of them. And history records for us that he did. The chance of that are one in, I think the scientific name for this number is a kajillion billion, right? <laughs> just to give us an idea of how big this number is, a mathematician figured it out. If you were to cover the state of Texas in silver dollars, this number would cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. That's how big this is. That's how crazy the probability of Jesus fulfilling all these things are. But yet, history records for us that he did. And so for Jesus to make the claims that he did, he was either a liar or a lunatic, but history records for us that he did. Consider the resurrection. If one or two people saw the resurrected Christ, there might be some room to maybe, ah, maybe. But get this. Over 500 people, eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Over 500 people with their own eyes saw Jesus Christ post-crucifixion. I mean, consider it. Jesus started a revolution that the religious establishment wanted to end. That's why they killed him. The Roman government wanted to snuff Christianity out. That's why they beheaded Paul, because they just wanted to be done with this. If they really wanted to end it, all they could have done is produce the body. Say, no, he's dead. This thing is over. And it would have killed it. But they couldn't. Why? Because there wasn't one. And over 500 people saw that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Jesus had to have been real. And many historians, at the same time as the New Testament, will verify the events that are recorded for us in Scripture. There is no way to deny the historical fact of Jesus. And if we're to be honest, if we're to just study history for what it's worth and be honest about it, there's really no way to just say, well, he was a good teacher. Or he was a prophet, but, I mean, he, he has to be God. There's no way around it. I love the quote by Rabbi Zacharias. He said, The worldview of the Christian faith is simple enough. God has put enough into this world to make faith in him a most reasonable thing. As you really study this thing out, it actually takes more faith not to believe than it does to believe. Jesus is the truth. Even though truth all around us seems subjective, and even though everybody seems to claim they know they're exactly right, we can anchor our hope, we can anchor our peace to Jesus, because Jesus is truth. 
The Bible says in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This isn't just a passing truth that doesn't impact our lives. No, this is a truth that literally changes everything about our lives. This truth literally sets us free. You say, what's it set us free from? It sets us free from the penalty of sin. Because of our sin, we deserve to be punished by God. But as we saw in Ephesians, Jesus Christ literally took that punishment for us. The truth of who Jesus is, he wants to set you free from the penalty of your sin. If you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be at war with God. You don't have to be at enmity with God. And you don't have to suffer the consequences for your sin. God punished Jesus for you. He sets us free from the penalty of sin. When he died on the cross, he died for you so that you don't have to experience the penalty of your sin. For those of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ, he saves us from the power of sin. He is truth. Oftentimes when I struggle with sinning or I struggle with with doing what I know is right, oftentimes it's because I'm believing a lie. I'll give you a little bit of a a personal illustration. Um, When Sarah and I were going through uh, marriage counseling before we got married, we were, we were told about, you know, love languages. How many of you are familiar with the concept of love languages? It's how we communicate and interpret love. So some people's love language might be physical touch. You ever met a hugger? They just love to hug. That person, that's probably their love language. Some people, it's gift giving. Some people, it's quality time. Some people, it's words. Well, mine happens to be gift giving. If you could say a bunch of nice things about me and I'll smile, that's great, but I really feel loved when somebody buys me something. It's kind of, I, I feel kind of awkward saying that because it's like people have to buy my affection. And that's, I promise you, that's not what it is. Um, but the truth is, oftentimes, I will believe a lie that I'm not loved. You have a bad day, you just feel, you feel tired, and I'm like, man, I, I just don't feel loved in this moment. And so you know what I'll do to make myself feel loved? In my flesh, you'll know what I do. I go buy myself a gift. <laughs> now get this, what I'm doing is I'm justifying materialism, I'm justifying wasting money because I'm believing a lie. I'm believing the lie that I'm loved. The truth is, the truth that sets me free is that Jesus Christ loves me unconditionally. And he communicated it on my level by giving me Jesus. He gave me the greatest gift that I could ever give. I don't have to believe the lie that I'm unloved. I don't have to believe the lie that I need to go buy myself something. And when we are struggling with sin, we don't have to believe the lie that we need something. Consider this. If somebody is addicted to something, whether it's Facebook or drugs... Whether it's, you know, whether it's alcohol or it's they're addicted to being right. Whatever it is, Jesus Christ promises the truth is he's satisfied. In that moment, our flesh is telling us, you need this. You need to look at Facebook. You need to take this drug. You need to take that drink. But that's a lie. The truth is Jesus satisfies and Jesus is enough. For somebody that's struggling with materialism and like, I just, I have to go buy a bunch of stuff. It makes me feel great. Woohoo. It makes me feel worth it. It makes me feel like I'm somebody. The truth is, Jesus says, I am enough. I am sufficient. I love you. I adore you. You don't need this stuff to feel like you're somebody. You have Jesus. The truth is, he is sufficient, and that truth sets us free from having to be materialistic. The truth is, is if you're lonely, you're never lonely, because Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And even when people around you fail you, Jesus is there for you. The truth sets us free. Sets us free from the penalty of sin. We don't have to work our way to heaven. If you're here today and you feel like, I just have to be good enough to get to heaven, or if you felt like, I'm going to come to church today and that's going to get me brownie points with God, can I say this? You, don't, you can't earn your way to heaven. That's a lie that the devil's selling you. The truth is, the Bible says in Titus 3.5, it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, 
but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Whenever we find ourselves believing a lie, and let's just, let's just be honest and look deep inside of our hearts, all of us at some point or another are believing some kind of lie. Whether it's we're, we're not good enough, or I'm not loved, or I need this. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Jesus wants to set you free in this area. He's the truth that sets us free. He sets us free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. Whenever I am not experiencing peace, that needs to be an indicator that I might be believing a lie. If I feel like I have to go buy myself a gift in order to feel loved and in order to just make my heart feel at peace, I am believing a lie. Because Jesus has promised me he is enough and he is the truth that sets me free. Jesus is the only way. There's no other way we can get to God. There's no other way we can get to heaven. There's no other way we can make our peace with God outside of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth that sets us free. And then lastly, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Lastly, he says, I am the life. Jesus lived the life that we could never live. Everybody loves a good deal. When I was looking for a, a shirt to wear today, and I bought this, I wish I could say I got a good deal on it, but I didn't. Um, everybody loves a good deal, right? But the truth is, the best deal that anybody could ever be given is we get to trade in our sin for the righteousness of Jesus. Just let that blow your mind for a minute. God, Jesus, came down in the flesh, lived a perfectly sinless life, and then says, okay, I'm going to get punished for your sin, and I'm going to give you credit for my righteousness. Whoa! We can never do that on our own. We can never live that life on our own. Jesus lived the life we could never live. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. God made Jesus the sin for us who was perfect, that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever lived a perfect life to earn our salvation. Because we can't. We can never do it on our own. And Jesus lived the life that we could never live. You don't have to, if you're here and you're without Christ, you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, you don't have to suffer the punishment of your sin because Jesus lived a perfect life for you. He lived the life for you, and God punished him for your sin. He wants to give you his life. When he died on the cross, he's saying, yes, I suffered the consequences of your sin, and now I want to give you my life so that you can be at peace with God. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you're not at peace with God. Jesus Christ is wanting to give you his perfect life so you can be at peace with God. And if you're here today and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but there's an area in your heart and it's just not at peace, you're not experiencing peace in that area of your life, that may be an indicator that you're not experiencing the life of Christ in that part of your life. Because the truth is, Jesus didn't just want to come alongside us and give us advice to live a nice life as we go. No, Jesus Christ literally is inside of us, and he wants to live his life through us. He is literally in me, and he wants to live his perfect life through me. So when I am not at peace, when there's just something that's frustrating me, and it's annoying me, and I am like, that, that's an indicator that, man, maybe, Nick, you're not allowing Christ's life to live through you in this moment. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace peace. When Christ's life is living through us, we will be at peace. Just a couple another. So if you think about uh, the realm of politics, right? 
and you anchor your hope, your future hope for peace is dependent on a certain person getting elected. Can I say this? That might be an indicator that the life of Christ isn't living through you in your politics. If in your marriage you feel like my spouse has to behave and act a certain way in order for me to be at peace in my home, that's an indicator the life of Christ is not flowing through your marriage. And he may be in one area, but oftentimes, I mean, none of us are perfect, so he's, there's going to be areas of our life where we are not allowing the life of Christ to flow through us. I love Colossians 3, 4. It says, when Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life. Jesus' primary goal, like we said, was not just to give us a bunch of good advice. His primary goal was to come and literally give us a brand new life so that he could live it through us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And oftentimes, God's going to allow circumstances. God will use his law. God will allow circumstances in our life to reveal an area where I'm not allowing the Christ, Christ to live through me. Sometimes he might even use somebody else's sin to reveal. You say, how, how could he use somebody else's sin? Somebody sins against you, and your knee-jerk reaction isn't love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Can I say this? That's maybe an area that the life of Christ isn't living through you. Christ wants to live his life through you. Christ doesn't want to be a life coach. He wants to be your life. He is our life. And when we, by faith, surrender to him, he will then live his life through us. He just doesn't want to come alongside of us. He's inside of us, and he wants to live through us. We can, we can experience peace, regardless of our circumstances, because we have Jesus Christ. He is our peace. But oftentimes, our hearts are troubled, aren't they? Mine was. I, was. I was talking to Sarah. I was like, I did not want to preach this message this week because there was lots of me not being at peace this week. There was lots of trouble in my heart. We all get into this. The hearts of the disciples, they were, they were troubled. I mean, uh, Thomas, he said, uh, okay, Lord, tell us where you're going and give us a roadmap. Philip, in the verses afterwards, says, Lord, show us the Father. He, he literally wanted to see a physical manifestation of the Father. It's because these disciples, they, they, were, they were still expecting Jesus to, to change their circumstances, to rebuild the kingdom of Israel, to overthrow Rome. The book of Luke tells us they kind of thought that until the resurrection. It wasn't until after Jesus resurrected that they realized this is different than what we thought. He's not just going to change our circumstances. He's going to change us. And oftentimes when our hearts are troubled, it's because we're looking at our circumstances. We're looking for something other than Jesus. Maybe we're believing a lie. And it's an indicator that Christ isn't living through us. So when we are troubled, what do we do? Man, when my heart isn't at peace, how do I? You just, it's just, you just abide with Jesus. You just go to God and say, God, my heart is troubled right now, and you are revealing an area of my heart where there's sin. But Father, I surrender this to you. Regardless of how you change the circumstances, regardless of what you do, Father, I'm going to surrender this area of my life so that you can live through me. Oftentimes we find ourselves just like the disciples, not experiencing peace because our eyes are on our circumstances. We expect God, we want God to change our physical surroundings, and all the while he's wanting to change us. And if you're here today and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Christ here today, he's wanting to show you that he is the way to God. He's the way to experience peace with God. And he is the truth. You can put your, truth, your faith and trust in him because he is truth. And he wants to give you his life. Ultimately, 
experiencing peace. The experience of peace itself is not the end goal. But peace is a wonderful indicator of where our hearts are. It's a wonderful fruit when we are close to God, when despite the circumstances, despite the craziness of life, we can be at peace. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful result of being close to Jesus. That's a wonderful fruit of the Spirit. But oftentimes, the lack of it is also an indicator that there's a part of my heart that I need to give to Jesus. There's a part of my life I need to surrender. Maybe there's a lie that I'm believing. Maybe I'm looking for a way other than Jesus. We can experience peace because we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When there is no peace being experienced in the area of my life, it's because Jesus is not by faith being experienced in my life. If we could say just a real simple, boil it all down, where there is no peace, there is no Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.